The Creation of Thor's Hammer One day, Loki the Trickster found himself in an especially mischievous mood and cut off the gorgeous golden hair of Sif, the wife of Thor. When Thor learned of this, his quick temper was enraged and he seized Loki and threatened to break every bone in his body. Loki pleaded with the Thunder God to let him go down to Svartalfheim, the cavernous home of the dwarves, and see if those master craftspeople could fashion a new head of hair for Sif, this one even more beautiful than the original. Thor allowed this, and off Loki went to Svartalfheim. There, he was able to attain what he desired. The sons of the dwarf Ivaldi forged not only a new head of hair for Sif, but also two other marvels. Skidbladner, assembled from thin pieces of wood, the best of all ships, which always has a favorable wind and can be folded up into one's pocket, and Gungnir, or swaying, the deadliest of all spears. Having accomplished this task, Loki was overcome by an urge to remain in the caves of the dwarves and revel in more recklessness. He approached the brothers Brock and Sindri, metalworker and spark sprayer respectively, and taunted them, saying that he was sure the brothers could never forge three creations equal to those the sons of Ivaldi had fashioned. In fact, he even bet his head on their lack of ability. Brock and Sindri, however, accepted the wager. As they worked, a fly, who of course was none other than Loki in disguise, stung Sindri's hand. When the dwarf pulled his creation out of the fire, it was a living boar with golden hair. This was Gorumbursti, golden bristle, who gave off light in the dark and could run faster than any horse, even through water or air. Sindri then set another piece of gold on the fire, as Brock worked the bellows. The fly bit Brock on the neck, and Sindri drew out a magnificent ring, Dropnir, or Dripper. From this ring, every ninth night, fall eight new golden rings of equal weight and splendor. Sindri then put iron on the hearth, and told Brock that for his necks working they must be especially meticulous, for a mistake would be more costly than with previous two projects. Loki immediately stung Brock's eyelid, and the blood blocked the dwarf's eye, preventing him from properly seeing his work. Sindri produced a hammer of unsurpassed quality, which never missed its mark and would boomerang back to its owner after being thrown. But it had one flaw. The handle was short. Sindri lamented that this had almost ruined the piece which was called Mjolnir, or lightning. Nevertheless, sure of the great worth of their three treasures, Sindri and Brock made their way to Asgard to claim the wages that were due to them. Loki made it to the halls of the gods before the dwarves and presented the marvels he had acquired. To Thor he gave Sif's new hair and the hammer Mjolnir. To Odin went the ring Dropnir and the spear Gungnir, and Frey was the happy recipient of Skidbladner and Gullenbursti. As grateful as the gods were to receive these gifts, 
especially Mjolnir, which they foresaw would be of insurmountable help in their battles against the giants. They nevertheless concluded that Loki still owed the dwarves his head. When the dwarves approached Loki with knives, the cunning god pointed out that he had promised them his head, but not his neck. Brock and Sindri contented themselves with sewing Loki's mouth shut and returned to their forge. The Fortification of Asgard Asgard, the celestial stronghold of the Aesir tribe of gods and goddesses, is encircled by a high, protective wall. This wall defends the Aesir from incursions by the giants and other beings who are often the enemies of the gods. Asgard, the central stronghold of the Aesir tribe of gods and goddesses, is encircled by a high, protective wall. This wall, the Gardr element in Old Norse name Asgard, defends the Aesir from incursions by the giants and other beings who are often the enemies of the gods. But this wall wasn't always there. This tale recounts how the wall was built, and this riotous story is probably one of the raunchiest and most scandalous tales in all the world of Norse mythology. A certain smith arrived at Asgard one day and offered to build the gods a high wall around their home to protect them from any who might wish them ill. The smith, certainly a giant himself, said he could complete his work in a mere three seasons, but demanded a steep compensation. The hand of the goddess Freya in marriage, as well as the sun and the moon. The gods took counsel together. Freya was adamantly against the giant's terms from the start, but Loki suggested that the builder should obtain that which he desired, although only if he could complete his work in a single winter with no aid from anyone but his horse. After much deliberation, the gods consented to Loki's plan. Of course, the gods had no intention of actually giving Freya away, nor the sun or the moon. They thought that the task they demanded was impossible. The giant smith, however, agreed to their terms, provided that the gods swear oaths to ensure that if their conditions were met, they would fulfill their end of the bargain and that he himself would be safe in Asgard while he worked. The builders set about constructing the wall and the gods marveled at how quickly the structure was raised. What was even more perplexing to them was that the giant Steinosvadalfari seemed to be doing almost twice as much of the work as the smith himself, hauling enormous boulders over considerable distances to add to the edifice. When the end of winter was only three days ahead, the wall was strong enough to be impenetrable by almost any enemy, and alarmingly, lacking little before it was finished. Only the stones around the gate had yet to be put in place. The anxious gods seized Loki and rebuked him for giving them such foul advice. They threatened him with death if he couldn't find a way to prevent the giant from finishing his task of making off with their beloved goddess Freya and the sun and moon, bringing never-ending darkness and dreariness to the Nine Worlds. Loki pleaded with the gods to spare his life and swore an oath that he would do as the gods desired come what may. That night, the giant Svartalfari ventured into the snow-draped forest in search of stones. Along their way, a mare, who was none other than Loki in disguise, whinnied to the stallion from a short distance away. 
When the stallion saw the mare, his heart wasn't the only organ that was aroused by delight and lust, and he snapped his reins and bounded into the woods after her. The mare ran all night, and all night Svartalfari chased after her. When morning came, the giant's horse was still missing, and the now despairing giant knew that there was no way he could now finish the wall in time. The Aesir paid the giant the wages they deemed he deserved, a fatal blow from Thor's hammer, which shattered his head into pieces no bigger than breadcrumbs. Several moons later, Loki returned to Asgard, guiding with him a grey stout with eight legs named Sleipnir, who he gifted to Odin as a mount. But never ask, as the gods often did, about the parentage of Sleipnir, lest you raise the trickster's eye. The Binding of Fenrir The Norse pseudogod Loki, who is by turns the friend and the enemy of the other gods, had three fearfully hideous and strong children with the giantess Angerboda, or she who bodes anguish. The first was the serpent Jormungund, the second was the death goddess Hel, and the third was the wolf Fenrir. Jormungund would later kill the god Thor during Ragnarok, the downfall of the cosmos, an event which would be largely brought about by Hel's refusal to release the radiant god Baldr from the underworld. During these cataclysmic events, Fenrir would devour Odin, the chief of the gods. In order to keep these monsters at bay, they threw Jormungund into the ocean, where he encircled Midgard, the world of humankind. Hell, they relegated to the underworld. Fedra, however, inspired too much fear in them for them to let him out from under their watchful eyes, so they reared the pup themselves in their stronghold, Asgard. Only Tyr, the indefatigable upholder of law and order, dared to approach Fenrir to feed him. Fenrir grew at an alarming rate, however, and soon the gods decided that his stay in Asgard had to be temporary. Knowing well how much devastation he would cause if he were allowed to roam free, the gods attempted to bind him with various chains. They were able to gain the wolf's consent by telling him that these fetters were tests of his strength, clapping and cheering when, with each new chain they presented him, he broke free. At last the gods sent a messenger down to Svartalfheim, the realm of the dwarves. The dwarves, being the most skilled craftspeople in the cosmos, were able to forge a chain whose strength couldn't be equaled. It was wrought from the sound of a cat's footsteps, the beard of a woman, the roots of mountains, the breath of a fish, and the spittle of a bird. In other words, things which don't exist, and against which it is therefore futile to struggle. Gleipnir, or Open, was its name. When the gods presented Fenrir with a curiously light and supple Gleipnir, the wolf suspected trickery and refused to be bound with it, unless one of the gods would lay his or her hand in his jaws as a pledge of good faith. None of the gods agreed, knowing that this would mean the loss of a hand and the breaking of an oath. At last, Brave Tyr, for the good of all life, 
volunteer to fulfill the wolf's demand. And sure enough, when Fenrir discovered that he was unable to escape Glaivnir, he chomped off and swallowed Tyr's hand. The fettered beast was then transported to a suitably lonely and desolate place. The chain was tied to a boulder, and a sword was placed in the wolf's jaws to hold them open. As he howled wildly and ceaselessly, a foamy river called Van, or Expectation, flowed from his drooling mouth. And there, in that sordid state, he remains until Ragnarok. Thank you, my friends, for joining me for our story today. Your time is very precious to me. If you enjoyed our story, please leave me a review and a comment if your platform supports them, and share our little get-togethers with your friends. All of these things are incredibly helpful to get our stories out to more friends. I had such a wonderful time with you all today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow, where I will read a new tale and invite you, once again, to stay a while and listen.